20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for being here today. We're going to be going over Packers, Giants, grades, and film review, which I know probably sounds about as fun as a root canal, but there were some interesting grades in this one that I'm pretty excited to go over, actually. So before we get into that, I wanted to just remind you that we do have Pack a Day Podcast memberships available. If you have not checked those out as of yet, make sure to do so. Great members only episode kind of talking about the third round curse and if Tucker Craft is the one to break it. Also had a live Q&A for members. We do that every single week, a new episode for members every week. So if you haven't checked that out yet, make sure to do so. As I mentioned, this was a very interesting game to grade. To be honest, as I was watching it the first time and then as I did the TV copy rewatch, I'm like, there's going to be just a ton of awful grades in this one. And I started to wonder aloud of like, are there even like, are there going to be three positive grades on each side of the ball? Or like, or we might get to the point of like, you know, Eric Wilson's one really good tackle might have to be like one of the top grades, but it didn't actually end up being that way. And so you have to kind of like, think of it as like, all right, so what happened then? If the grades weren't beyond awful, but everything felt beyond awful, how does that kind of go about happening? I think some of it is just kind of play call and just some unfortunate circumstances that go into it. I think a lot of it was the fact that you had some key mistakes. You had the Keyshawn Nixon fumble on special teams, which was not graded into this because I only grade offense and defense. That was such a massive play. You've got an Anders Carlson missed field goal, which was not you know graded into this. That was a key play in the game. And then you had a couple of key things, meaning Jordan Love, when your quarterback is not playing great and he had a really tough game up until the end, that's going to you know really put you behind the eight ball when you've got the most important player on your team that's not playing a very good game. Again, he credit to him for coming through when it mattered and getting really two touchdown passes on the game, what the what could have been the game winning drive up until the the Giants go down and, and take it back. There's some positives to take away from Jordan in this one, no question at all. But for the vast majority of the game, he struggled. You had a, a really poor performance from Keyshawn Nixon on defense. And what a lot of times happened is there would be a player or a play here or there where it was a really good individual play, but it ended up not being a great team play. For example, there were a lot of times where some defensive linemen would become, you know, crashing through the line and get immediate pressure on the quarterback, but there was nobody there to kind of corral him or get a, a additional pressure on it. And, you know, we saw it over and over and over that DeVito was able to just sidestep the one rusher, get upfield and pick up positive yards from it. And it was just like that lack of cohesiveness on both sides of the ball where like a player might've had a really good play, you know, a receiver might've won on the outside, like Dontavian Wicks gets open, but Jordan Love misses him or Samori Toure wins on the route, but Jordan Love underthrows it a little bit. And those were just the sort of things that were happening where you would get some positive grades on players, but it would be in the midst of a negative play or at least a neutral play overall. And that was kind of the the more prevalent thing that I saw in this game is it wasn't guys playing together and making plays at the same time. In even the, the plays that did happen, the Saquon Barkley fumble, for instance, was not a forced fumble by Green Bay. He just literally coughed it up. The and again, this is a special teams play, so I wouldn't have graded it anyway. But the the punt recovery, the fumble recovery, the muffed punt, that was not anything that Green Bay did right. It just went off a guy's helmet. Like 
those are the sort of things that in this game, you just kind of ended up with a lot of eh grades, not a lot of good ones, not a lot of super bad ones, although there were a couple on both sides, just a lot of average, below average, the slightly below average grades in this one is what it kind of came down to. But that was kind of what was interesting. I thought the grades were ultimately going to be a lot worse. It didn't quite end up coming out that way. Just a bad game though. Like it doesn't take away from the fact that it was a, a bad game overall from this Packers team on offense, on defense and special teams. What I want to be very clear about is I am not absolving anything in this game and being like, well, you know, it, it was a, you know, the grades were good. So actually the tape was, all, no, the tape was still really bad. It was still not complimentary football. It was not good football. It was ugly. It just had some individual plays here and there that brought some of those grades up, which made the the individual grades a little bit better. If you were grading this as just like an overall team grade, you're, you, what you saw on you know on the initial watch, and if you rewatch it, the, like it is a bad game, no question about it. But let's get into our top three grades on offense first. Tucker Craft plus one point two five. I've talked about Tucker a couple times this week. Once with Sam Monson, uh, we talked about him a little bit, and then actually talked with him uh, with Mike Wall a little bit about him as well, and then did the the bonus episode for members about him as well. But this was a really really fun game from Tucker Craft. The four catches, sixty four yards, the big catch up the seam, some run after the catch ability, the ability to chip and then get out and, and you know make a, a catch here and there. Like he, he was really good from a passing game standpoint, caught everything that was thrown his way. And then the other piece was he was really good as a blocker in this game. A couple of big time impact blocks and just consistency. This was the highest grade I've had on a tight end in a long time. This is the first time I've ever had a tight end that was my highest graded player in a game for Green Bay. Because usually what happens is a lot of times, sometimes these receiving tight ends, they have such bad blocking grades in the game or vice versa. You know, Mercedes Lewis has a great blocking game, but he doesn't do much as a pass catcher. Like you end up with a fine grade, but you don't end up with these really good grades because you have to really combine the two as a tight end to get that really good grade. And that was what was so special about Tucker Craft in this game is he combined really good and consistent blocking in this game with four catches for 64 yards, some run after the catch, some playmaking. It was, it was a really, really fun game. One of my favorite tight end games that I've watched in some time just because he actually combined the two and what's hopefully a sign of things to come for Tucker Craft. I've talked about this this week a couple times, but the vision is there for Craft and Musgrave in a two tight end set and what they could bring to your offense and how you know it could be a, a challenge for opposing defenses to match up with those two players. Long way to go, job not done. Musgrave and Craft both have to become more well-rounded players in every facet of their game, but you see the vision for it. And that's what's so exciting. And I thought Tucker Craft really over the course of the past month has taken such a huge step. Matt LaFleur talked about he is probably the most, or at least is in the conversation for the most improved Packer through the course of the season. I totally agree with Matt LaFleur on that. He has taken tremendous strides. And I thought we saw a huge stride in this game against the New York Giants. Number two, Jaden Reed plus 0.55. Now, from an efficiency standpoint, there were obviously some plays with Jaden that didn't go great. All the jet sweeps, reverses, the two point. I didn't. There wasn't really much that Jaden did wrong on those. It just was not blocked up, or the Giants read it perfectly. So some of the efficiency numbers don't look great. But I still thought Jaden played well. The one egregious play or not great play in this one for Jaden was the play in the back of the end zone where he just doesn't locate the ball. If he does. I think it's probably a touchdown, and I know he felt awful after that play. You could tell he was not uh, not feeling it after that one, understandably so. But I thought overall he had a really nice performance in this game. 
they got the ball in his hands. It was they were dedicated to feeding him the ball. Sometimes at the detriment, you know, they probably went to it a little too often. But when he had the ball in his hands, he was making good things happen far more often than not. When it was under his control, making people miss, and uh, just had some really nice receptions as well. I think when you put it all together, it still ends up being a really nice positive day. Just would like the one play back in the back corner of the end zone. And then no surprise here, number three on the list, Zach Tom plus 0.45 grade, Mr. Consistency. A couple plays, of course, you'd like to have back. That's going to be the normal day at the office for any offensive lineman, but solid, consistent, solid in run blocking, solid in pass protection, always gives Jordan Love time. And even when he gets beat, he's usually able to try to at least stall it off as long as possible. He's so fun to watch. He's a technician at his position. He's got great um, you know, overall movement skills. I don't know what, what more you want. He's a long-term starting right tackle for the Green Bay Packers moving forward. They found their guy. I still would be hesitant to move him around at all. I just love what he gives this team week in and week out. And he has faced some really tough challenges. This wasn't one of his tougher you know, challenges, but um, Thibodeau and Ojolari are no walk in the park either. He's had, you know, he's gone against TJ Watt and Max Crosby and Daniil Hunter and just a murderer's row of edge players that he's had to face so far this year. And he just keeps answering the challenge. And for so many Packer players who maybe seem to take their foot off the gas a little bit this week and not play at their peak performance, I don't, I'm not saying Zach was at peak performance this week, but he still played his very consistent, well-rounded football game. And that's, the the sign of a real I don't I, maybe star is aggressive but a really really good player is the consistency week in and week out that you know every single week what you're going to get and you don't even have to think about it and that was what made David Bakhtiari great for so long is you could just put him at left tackle you didn't have to worry about it and you knew it was going to be an awesome performance Corey Lindsley in his prime was like that Devonte Adams at wide receiver Aaron in his prime obviously at quarterback they were just you knew what you were getting every single week and it wasn't just you knew what you were getting and it was fine you knew what you were getting and it's really really good and that's what Zach's putting on tape just about every single week and another positive performance from him against the Giants. So you guys have probably noticed by now that the Packaday podcast is 365 days a year, and we've now been doing this for over five years. You've probably also noticed that I haven't missed too many episodes over the years, and let me tell you, that isn't by mistake. The truth is, before I started the podcast, I used to get sick way more often. I figured at the time that it was just happenstance, wrong place, wrong time, maybe ran into someone with the wrong germ, and I got sick. What the heck was I supposed to do about it? Then I had a friend recommend to me a vitamin regimen that helped my immune system. And ever since I started boosting my immune system, my instances of being sick drastically decreased. Turns out, wasn't always just happenstance after all. When I was sick, I wasn't feeling focused. I felt sluggish. And that led me to fall behind on my work and left me stressed out. Me taking vitamins helped, but then I ran into a different problem. Taking multiple vitamins every day was becoming a hassle and I figured there had to be an easier way. That's when I started drinking AG1. When I started drinking AG1 daily, I not only continued to boost my immune system, I also had more energy and was able to replace all of my multivitamins. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop also includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. 
That's why I'm proud to have AG1 as a sponsor for the Packaday podcast. AG1 is the supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash packaday. That's drinkag1.com slash packaday. Check it out. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season, and in our family, we're gearing up to get all of our holiday shopping completed so we can have those magical moments of giving the gifts that people are going to love, and we can see the joy on their faces when they open those gifts. As a father of a 6- and 10-year-old, those moments are magical, and they mean a ton to me. Now, you and your family may have different holidays or different traditions, but one thing remains the same. You get to define how you give to yourself this holiday season, and this holiday season is the perfect time to do just that. You could treat yourself to a spa day, maybe make your favorite meal for dinner, or maybe the best gift of all could be a gift of therapy. As I've talked about in the past, therapy has been a huge benefit to me in my walk in life. As much as we want to put life on cruise control and act like everything is perfect, the fact remains that life is hard and you don't have to walk that journey all by yourself. As soon as I realized that is when my life took a turn for the better. Therapy has helped me focus, it's helped me avoid negative triggers, and it's helped me enjoy the little things in my everyday life. If you're thinking about starting therapy this holiday season, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be ultra convenient, and can be suited to your own unique schedule. In this season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot packaday. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Bottom three graded players, Jordan Love, negative 1.45. I said earlier in the week that I thought this was going to end up being his lowest graded game on the season and in his career. It was not. It was his second lowest graded game. I do think his ability to come back in this game at the end, throw what, again, basically back-to-back touchdown passes to Malik Heath uh, was impressive. And like I've said all week long, a lot of quarterbacks in this league, you're not always going to have your A game. It's not always going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. But what Jordan did and what a lot of great quarterbacks have done over the course of their careers is, hey, we've made mistakes through the course of the game. We've played not great football, but now it's in the clutch. It, it Now is the time that matters. Can we go down and grab victory from the jaws of defeat? 
And it didn't end up that way because the defense gave up the field goal at the end. And that does not absolve Jordan and the rest of the offense for the way that they played. Because if they were able to do more early in the game, it doesn't come down to that defensive drive at the end of the game. But when the game was on the line and they absolutely had to have a touchdown, Jordan got the touchdown for him. And I think that does deserve some level of credit. Without that, it would have been his lowest graded game of the season. And really, had he not started playing better around the fourth quarter, it would have been his worst graded game of the season. But you still can't take that away from him either. Early in the game, you know, he had the interception, he had the fumble, he had another play that was going to be an interception, but it was tipped at the line of scrimmage. Another play to Dontavian Wicks where Wicks is open and he throws it right to the defender. And fortunately for Green Bay, the defender was able to drop it and uh, it ended up just being an incomplete pass. It was not an easy interception, but was one that was there for him. Those are the sort of plays early from Jordan that got him in trouble and really gave him that negative grade early in the game. He bounced back later, which is huge, but just an inconsistent performance. A lot of the footwork wasn't there. Yes, I'm sure the wind played a part in this. I'm sure not having a lot of his playmakers on offense played a part in this. Those are pieces of it, no question. But all you can do is control what you can control. And I think Jordan did a great job of it early in the game. Again, credit him late in the game for bouncing back, finding a way to take a lead. Wasn't enough, but you do deserve some level of credit for that. It just wasn't good enough through the entire course of the game. Interestingly enough, on offense, there weren't any other really poor grades. I had Malik Heath with a negative 0.25, which came in second, uh, second lowest. He had a couple missed blocks throughout the course of the game. He had a drop, um, obviously, on a potential you know go-ahead touchdown. And then he did come back and make the, the really big play at the end, which sort of redeemed that previous drop. But I thought there was still some inconsistencies from Malik. Not a bad game by any means, but still some things that he's going to have to work on just to kind of round out the overall, you know, just his game and just making sure that he's playing uh, more consistently and doing everything in his power throughout the course of the game to make those plays. And then Romeo Dobbs, negative 0.2, did have the drop along the sidelines um, where he, you know, he kind of bobbled the ball and it was initially ruled a catch and then overturned and ruled an incomplete pass. That was actually a pretty big play on the you know two-minute drive at the end of the game. There were so many things on that last two-minute drive that took away bigger opportunities for Green Bay because you had the Patrick Taylor not going out of bounds. You had um, the drop by Romeo Dobbs. You had some miss, like just a, a ton of misses on that drive, which really was costly to Green Bay. But uh, he also had a play in the back of the end zone. It was a really tough play. He had a great hands catch, but he couldn't get both feet down. I thought there was maybe an opportunity there. Nothing I would really downgrade him for in that specific play, but um, maybe a, another wide receiver gets his second foot down. Like I said, I'm not, that's nitpicking at best. Just just some play. And I thought there was a, a portion of the game where he struggled to get open was the other key part here. Again, not a terrible grade for Romeo. Negative 0.2 is basically like a neutral grade for the day. But just a couple things, especially the drop along the sidelines and that two-minute drill uh, was what really got him and kind of bumped him down a little bit. Some honorable mentions. Rashid Walker with a plus 0.4 grade. He's had positive grades in four straight weeks now. Said it before, I'll say it again. It's time to have that rotation be done. Fine with the right guard one still, but left tackle is just Rashid. Rashid's just better at this point, and it's not particularly close in my opinion. I know there's a play here and there from Rashid that you're looking at and being like, oh, I, I really wish that you know that didn't happen. I get it, but he's played net positive football for four consecutive weeks, and I think he definitely needs to be the, the starter there at left tackle. And then Samori Toure, plus 0.3. I thought he did a nice job coming in in limited action, had the, the nice reception where he broke a tackle, got upfield, almost stayed in bound or like almost caught his footing before going out of bounds, which would have been really fun. But overall, nice performance from him. It's not always easy to stay prepared and stay ready in those situations. 
and he was ready. He played He played well, and he, they're going to probably need him in some capacity this week against Tampa as well. My top three defensive players, all defensive linemen, Kenny Clark plus 0.7, Devontae Wyatt plus 0.45, and TJ Slayton plus 0.3. The issue was is like they all did it at different times. It wasn't that you saw like the pocket collapsing from all these guys at the same time. It was all different plays. And like I said, credit Tommy DeVito for escaping some of those pressures. Not a lot of quarterbacks would have done that. It's unfortunate because DeVito had not shown a propensity to avoid those sacks in earlier games. Clearly, it was something he worked on in the bye week or at least was extremely cognizant of is trying to escape those sacks. Some were, you know, missed opportunities by Green Bay too. No question about it. It was a big you know, change in the game where if they get him down on a couple of those occasions and get a few of those sacks, it changes the game entirely. They didn't. DeVito made them pay. And that was a, a frustrating aspect. But those guys won up front early and in the run game. I know you look at 200 yards rushing and you're like, man, that's completely unacceptable. This whole defense sucks at run defense. I actually thought the defensive line on the interior did a really nice job in run defense. It wasn't until late in the game where Saquon broke off a couple big runs that really got him going. They held him down the vast majority of the game. The end arounds were not on the interior defensive line, nor more often than not were the DeVito runs, which were usually like read options or escapes to the outside. It was a lot in the edge rushers a little bit more in this game than it was on the interior defenders. Like the overall effort and play from Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, and TJ Slayton, my top three graded players on defense. My bottom three, Keyshawn Nixon, negative 1.05. That does not even include the fumble on special teams. As I mentioned, that's not graded in. I only grade offense and defense, but the big play towards the end of the game misses a big tackle in the middle. Also had a couple other breakdowns in coverage that just didn't get exploited. Just a really tough game. When he said he played like bleep after the game, he played like bleep. Like He was honest with himself. Listen, he was the hero a week ago. Huge interception off Patrick Mahomes. He was uh, the zero this week uh, in, in how he performed. That's going to happen, and he hopefully he bounces back. As I mentioned earlier this week, he was my lowest-graded Packer uh, on defense even after the big game against KC. He was still my lowest-graded defender, and I think there's some deficiencies in coverage. I think that's clear. It's been clear kind of all season long. If they start getting everyone back, I think they need to start looking at somebody else in at least obvious pass situations for Keyshawn. But this is a tough one for Keyshawn. He knew it. He'll bounce back, I'm sure. Never doubt that guy. He's made a career out of being an undrafted free agent and a unwanted free agent, minimum signing a couple of years ago. He'll bounce back, but this was a tough one for Keyshawn. Rashawn Gary, negative 0.7. Just a, a very unimpactful game from Rashawn. There are a couple of times that he won, but he wasn't able to get home and finish. And a lot of times where he over-pursued, got out of his gap, didn't have in rush lane integrity, and allowed some of those plays on the outside, just needs to be more disciplined. And that's been something that we've seen as an issue with Rashawn Gary in the past. I think if he just kind of doesn't always go for the big play and just plays a little bit more disciplined, you're going to see him really become that well-rounded overall defender in the run game. And in some of those read option plays, we saw him get beat earlier this year by Desmond Ritter. He's putting some of that stuff on tape and more and more teams are going to take advantage of it if he doesn't fix it. It's got to get better. Um, he needs to be not all, like... It, the, the bummer part of this game is if like two of your key players, if Rashawn Gary and Jordan Love just play neutral level football, Green Bay probably wins this game rather easily. Unfortunately, both of them had negative grades in this game and pretty significantly so. And it completely changes it when your star players are not playing like star players, especially when you've got other star players that are out due to injury. And then finally, Devondre Campbell, negative 0.45, just looks a step slow, had the play on the flea flicker where it's a tough play, but 
Like he just doesn't locate the ball at all. He's in position to make a play, maybe even make an interception and just never locates it. And the receiver just comes back to it and makes the easy catch. Uh, play in the hole against Saquon Barkley. Now, Saquon Barkley makes a great jump cut. I get it. But he's got Saquon kind of dead to rights in the hole and just kind of misses on the tackle. Part of that, again, is due to Saquon's greatness. I get it. And there were other plays where just missed tackles, slow, just does not have the same foot quickness that he does a couple of years ago. Looks nothing like the All-Pro. And it's really been a tough couple seasons for Devondre Campbell, and this game was no different. I know he's been banged up. I get it. And hopefully he bounces back and is able to get healthy and play better. But this was not a, a stellar performance from Devondre in this one. Honorable mentions, Isaiah McDuffie plus 0.15. Thought he had a nice game overall. Nothing phenomenal, but uh, a positive grade. And that really nice play where he knifed into the backfield and made a tackle for a loss, which you love to see. And then Darnell Savage, I was wholeheartedly expecting this was going to be like a negative 1.25 grade or something like that. This was sort of your ultimate Darnell Savage game. If I showed you five highlights from Darnell Savage in this game, you'd be like, man, that looks like a Pro Bowl safety. He made some really impressive tackles, some aggressive plays, flew to the football a few times. There's some really good stuff on tape from Darnell in this game. There's also some of the worst tackles and plays that you've seen too. If I showed you the five worst plays, you'd be like, how is this guy in the NFL? That's just sort of the Darnell Savage experience at this point. You don't know what you're going to get on any given play. It ends up with a negative 0.15 grade. I expected worse, but like I said, there was actually a handful of really impressive plays on tape from Darnell in this one as well, which evened it out a little bit more, but still ended up being a net negative on the day. And it, like some of the plays are just like bordering on embarrassing at times. That stuff needs to get cleaned up. It needs to be better, but we're in year five for Darnell. This is just who he is at this point. I don't really have anything else to say about that. So top three, Tucker Craft, Jaden Reed, Zach Tom. Bottom three on offense, Jordan Love, Malik Heath, Romeo Dobbs. Top three on defense, Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton. Bottom three on defense, Keyshawn Nixon, Rashawn Gary, and Devondre Campbell. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Always appreciate it. We'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. Shout out to our all pro and hall of fame members, most hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wild, Shabra Dad, Arnaldo Espinoza, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Lori Lord, Donald Lee, Baby QB, and MB1023. See you guys tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.